This podcast is produced by Clarence Valley Community Church. If you benefit from our ministry and you would like to support us, details can be found at our website, cvcc.com.au. There you can also find out more details about our church. Let's open in prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather together. Um, Lord, as your children in this place, Lord, that we get to freely do that in this, in this country, Lord, and that we've taken the opportunity to do so today. And I pray, Lord, that as we study your word, Lord, we invite your spirit to move on our hearts, Lord, to move in our minds. Lord, that we would receive truth, we would receive your truth, Father God, that you would speak. Lord, it's not me speaking, it's you, Lord, that we can collectively hear a message from you. And it's something that will be changing of our lives, it'll be life-changing, that we'd walk out of here different to how we came in because of your spirit, Father God. We believe that, we expect that, God. And I pray, Lord, this message on faith will be one that brings fruit and results in our lives because of the allowance of your spirit to operate in our lives in a way we haven't before. And I just pray, Lord, for the... the, um, for the receiving of this now in the name of Jesus, Lord, to bear fruit. Amen. Well, um, I've had on my heart, I I originally was supposed to do a communion message and uh, it kind of grew and grew and grew and I rang down I said, this is bigger than a communion message, it's not going to be a five or ten minute thing, Um, we've got a bit of a problem. And I said, look, I just really feel this message is is to speak um, uh, to the church today and, and what do you... What do you think? And he prayed about it and I'm proud about it. And uh, so now we have what's called, a, I suppose, a long communion message on faith. Um, ultimately coming to the communion table um, in faith, which is what it is. Um, but I suppose with a, a greater context um, around the topic of faith. And so that's the goal of the, the talk today is to really expand our um, expectation of God in our life. I've got a bit of testimony in here as well. Uh, sharing about how God has moved in my life, how he's taken idols from my life. Uh, It's been incredibly painful at times. Um, And we should expect that if we're hanging on to things and we keep hanging on to things, uh, the taking away of that is um, uh, unpleasant, you might say, in the worldly sense. And that's happened to me, um, but it has been uh, hugely, hugely beneficial to my life and those of others. And so uh, there's there's some of that in this message as well. And so, um, you know, let's get started. I wanted to start by reading a fairly large section of scripture in numbers um and it's it has a lot in it this whole journey of israel um in their release of from egypt and then coming into the promised land uh is not a neat little affair it's not something that you get done in a half hour episode of something or another and everyone's all happy this is a a long-term um process of uh, the Israelites uh, working basically out of idols out of their lives and trusting God ultimately. Um, and so I'm going to start reading from Numbers 13. And this is um, a lot of what not to do. And I, I thought about this as like, yeah, I think I need to say that. This is an example of what not to do in this process, but it actually has really glowing examples of what to do. Um, and that'll f- uh, form a foundation of this message. And so... I'm reading from the ESV, and it's Numbers 13. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Key phrase here. God is declaring something of his intent. He's saying, I am giving this land to the people. So he stated from the outset what is happening here. So then he says, From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man 
everyone, a chief among them. That is a chief, a leader, someone who is in a place of authority. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. And these were their names. For the sake of time, I'm just going to skip through these. But two key people leave these 12 named people as Caleb and Joshua. And so... Um, 16 verse 16 these were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land and Moses called Hoshea the son of Nun Joshua so he was renamed Joshua at that point verse 17 Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them go up into the Negev and go up to the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak whether they are few or many this relates now to the challenges we're going to have in our lives as we start to step out in faith in ways we haven't before. Okay, so the key thing here is spying out the land. You're having an observation here of what's ahead. Verse 19, And whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob near Lebo Hamath. They went up into the Negev and came to Hebron. Ahiman, Sheshai and Talmai, the descendants of Anak were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eskol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole between the two of them. They also bought some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eskol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. At the end of 40 days, very significant number in the Bible, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. So at this point, they are saying, this is the truth of the land. God has said, We're giving, I'm giving you the land. They spied the land. The land is good. And then there's this great big but. It says, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And besides, so as if that's not enough kind of thing, besides we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. So at this point we've got the Israelites being given a really bad advertisement as to this promised land that God has already said he's going to give them. He said, this is milk and honey. This is, they've got a report here. They've got the fruit of the land. It's coming to them. But we have this issue where they've also looked at something else in the land which has filled them with fear. So in verse 30, we've got, But Caleb, one of the twelve, who went there, he quieted the people before Moses. Another translation says stilled. So these guys are upset. They're, um, they're anxious. They're quite fearful. They're worried about what's ahead despite the fact that God has made his declaration, and that's really an essence of our faith, is taking God at his word. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. True. 
Verse 31, Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. This is not a good start. Verse 14, uh, chapter 14. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night, and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What a turnaround. We've now got Israel having been delivered from Egypt. God has said, I'm giving you this land. Go and sort out the land. Have a look. Come back. Look at the fruit. Look at this and that. And all of a sudden we have these people... Leaders, I'm going to say people of influence, and remember, we all have degree of influence in our lives. So the people are spreading this thing amongst the people of unbelief. They're like, no, we can't. They are flat out saying, we cannot. After God says, go, Caleb is saying, yes, we can go. The people are saying, we cannot. And so bad is this, and, and we'll see later how bad this is. So bad this is that they're now wishing that they would go back to Egypt. Are you serious? incredible slavery they're like oh no they've got mcdonald's back there they've got television air conditioning you know this would rather go back there than this wilderness that you have for us but they're not seeing what god is seeing and that is very sinful so they said let us choose a leader and go back to egypt then moses and aaron fell on their faces rightly so before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of israel and joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. So these are two of the 12 that were sent to spy. Okay, So these two, particularly, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the Lord, for they are bread for us. Their, keep, listen to this. Their protection is removed from them. Please remember that verse as we talk about today. Their protection is removed from them. When God decrees something and speaks into a situation um, through others or in our life, through his word, something that requires faith from us, we need to remember that God will pave the way. What he calls, he will resource. And so, rightly so, these leaders now, the, the godly leaders, Moses, Aaron, Caleb and Joshua, say um, their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And as we go into circumstances in our lives that we haven't gone into before, regardless of our situation, regardless of our age, whether it's chronological age in the world, whether it's spiritual age in terms of our faith in Christ, um, Fear is a common thing to come up when we're, when we're looking at stepping into faith or faithful acts. And so we should expect that. But there's, yeah, there's more to the story here. Then the congregation, this is the response. Verse 10, then all the congregation said 
to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done? Among them, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. I might just uh, pause there for the moment, but basically what happens then is uh, Moses intercedes um, and he uh, speaks truthfully to God. He says, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, um, and sort of intercedes for the people. And so God ends up judging the spies that brought a bad report uh, and they are killed and then the Israelites need to go into the wilderness for 40 years, uh, one year for every day that the spies were out there. Um, as kind of punishment really for um, this incredible faithlessness that had crept into the camp. And so uh, that happens. Um, Moses uh, tells them that they've sinned and uh, they repent in a fairly superficial repentance, so much so, I'll jump over to verse 39 now, it says, When Moses told these words to all the people of Israel, the people mourned greatly and they rose early in the morning so this is now a fairly set-in rebellion against belief and faith in God. And it says, the next morning, so this is a very quick turnaround here. And it says, and they went up to the heights of the hill country saying, here we are, we will go to the place that the Lord has promised for we have sinned. But Moses said, why are you now transgressing the command of the Lord when you will not succeed? Because God has now decreed that they need to go into the wilderness as punishment for this. Do not go up, for the Lord is among you, lest you be struck down before your enemies. For there the Amalekites and the Canaanites are facing you, and you shall fall by the sword. Because you have turned back from following the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. So the presence of God is important here. But they presumed to go up to the heights of the hill country, although neither the Ark of the Covenant or of the Lord, or Moses departed out of the camp. So now, as if this wasn't enough, they don't believe that God will give them the land, even though he said that. They rebel, it's sin, they repent of that. The next day, they're bright and happy, go up to the hill and say, right, oh, let's go. And Moses is like, no, 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 no. A lot's gone under the bridge now. This is a big deal. You guys have sinned. God has commanded you not to. If you go, you'll be without his presence. And they go anyway. So now that it's like they didn't um, appreciate the true presence of God when he told them about the promise for them to go into the land. And now they're willing to go without the presence of God to fight these guys that they were scared of in the first place. Need a bit of a sanity check. So I'll go on. So they presume to go up on the heights of the hill country, although neither the Ark of the Covenant, which is, um, represents the presence of God, nor Moses, their leader, departed out of the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in the hill country came down and defeated them and pursued them, even to Horma. All right. Thanks for bearing with me for that rather long um, text. I think it's a really good background because it shows um, what can happen in an Old Testament sense and certainly in our life today, um, we miss out on the life of God and we miss out on what he has for us through lack of faith. And James says, faith without works is dead. And that says to us that faith can also be alive. It can't be still or stagnant. It's something that is active and exercised. 
And so I'd like to suggest that our faith is our receiving muscle. The Bible says it's one of three things in 1 Corinthians um, that endures. So that's faith, hope and love. It's something that can be directed. We have faith in God. And uh, just like we can have faith in God, we can have faith in things that are not of God. We have faith when we drive the car down the street. Um, we have faith because we're going to end up from point A to point B. We exercise that faith by hopping into a car. Some of us exercise more faith than others, depending on the car we drive or depending on who we're submitting to in terms of the driver. Um, however, faith is what we exercise. So, but what we're talking here about is godly faith. Um, and it has size. It can be as small as a mustard seed. It can bring great change in the material world. Don't underestimate what having faith can do, as small as it is. And in Hebrews, it says that faith is the evidence of things unseen. So when we see someone walking in faith, they don't always know what the material world result is going to be, but they're walking in assurance that their feet are planted firmly on the promises of God and who he says he is. So often, if we're walking in faith, we don't always have an explanation of exactly where that's heading. We just know that we're trusting in God. And I think that's a common thing to those who walk in faith. Um, those observing and those even walking in faith don't always have a material world explanation for it about what it's going to be, what it's about. We just trust. And again, it's substance. In Hebrews, it says it's substance of things hoped for. So today I'm talking about faith that's directed to God and produces tangible results in our lives. And I, I'm aware that a number of us have experienced a number of hits in recent times. Um, not easy, you know, as if the rubbish in the world is not enough to kind of abrasively wear us, wear us down. Um, you know, we have specific hits in life that, that really challenge us. And I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that in my own life. And um, I guess that's why I feel prompted to, to bring this encouragement today, that faith brings results. It brings change. Um, it's operating in the unseen world that brings results in the seen world. Everything we see today has a spiritual backdrop. Everything we see here, um, going to quantum physics, if you like, and energy uh, actually creates and sustains the matter that we have here. There's, in the spiritual world, um, everything that happens there has a material outworking. And so when we walk in that way in faith, um, it's really important that we don't have our eyes on the world. We have our eyes on God and let him bring the results. If our faith is smaller than our circumstances, we will experience defeat. There's a, a sense that if our circumstances the other way around are bigger than our faith, we're going to be weighed down and burdened down. If our faith is equal to our circumstances, um, then we're going to struggle. But if it's bigger than our circumstances, we will experience peace. And uh, honestly, I'm in the peace camp. I want peace. And uh, that has taken a long time. And I'll tell you, peace is worth uh, working for. And so I encourage you in that today. So faith obviously begins when to make us alive in Christ. It's a combination of faith and humility and it allows us to receive God and his uh, spirit in us. And so at that point, um, it's our response to his spirit moving on us that brings us alive in him. And at this point, it's really important to remember um, a lot of messages on faith are, you know, we need to do this, we need to do that. And it is an action. It's, it's, it's an action. But um, it's always from a place of being seated in Christ. And Ephesians 1 says, when we come to a place of faith in Christ, we are seated with him in heavenly places. And so we are in a place of um, authority, a place of privilege with God. We are seated today with Christ in heavenly places if we have our faith in him. So we, our, our position in him is a place that we begin from. We, we start from completion. We don't work towards completion. This is God's work from start to finish. And we're starting from a place of acceptance and identity in him. Um, 
So I just want to make that clear that we are walking from a place of security in him. Even if it feels uncomfortable, we can be assured that he's with us. I'd like to suggest that God brings us through a wilderness experience that tests us and asks us to give up things that we thought we might like to keep holding on to and in fact is hindering our walk with him and our completion and our expansion and growth he wants to give us. Regardless of how long this process takes, in the case of the Israelites, it ended up taking 40 years, but he will still move us into this place of full communion with him without distraction and his presence continually in our mind and emotions and our will with all of our heart towards him. This is the only place we're going to be fulfilled. Eventually, when the Israelites were ready, later on we can see in uh, first chapter of Deuteronomy and Joshua, God still, he appointed Joshua and he said in both of these chapters that Joshua will cause the people to inherit the land. And there's a, there's a sense that God will keep moving us along, not letting uh, our idols and things in the way to keep us from him. He'll keep moving us along till he has all of us and all of our heart. I think it's fair to say that God will have his way in our lives and the best and most fulfilling way to live is according to his spirit in obedience. Amen. I've, I've learnt, I'll say the hard way, um, but the very, very fulfilling way that God knows what he's doing and his will is best. And when we give up the things that he's asking us to, as hard as that is, it is always worth it. And that gets me to idols. In the Bible, idols are things that stand in the way of our relationship with God and in our life today pretty much anything we can put up there as an idol it doesn't mean the things in themselves are bad but if we have a problem giving up those things to god um, there's going to be problems with our christian walk and they won't bring us satisfaction and some of these things i've just got a little list here of some of these things it could be jobs Um, we could be putting cars in front of god money family knowledge experience strength credentials talents any material position, uh, possessions, uh, whether some of them or all of them, reputation, habits, hobbies, dreams. It's not necessarily the thing itself that's the issue, but if it's in the way, uh, God will ask us to give it up in order to have all of us. And that's my testimony, which I'll talk about later. And essentially hanging on to anything but God is sin. And we can see that clearly here in the passage the Israelites elevate themselves, their own beliefs. Uh, they listen to others, so they elevate their leaders even above the truth of God. God clearly told them he's giving them the land. But they listened to influential people that told them otherwise. They lost faith. They allowed fear in. And even though that land was amazing, they have waited all this time. They've been through you know, hell and back on earth in a sense, coming through from Egypt and all this stuff. And God said, I'm giving you the land. And they're like, mm, yeah, giants are a bit big, guys. We can't go. And the guy, and Caleb's like, what? We can go. If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? But they are like, nah, sorry, giant's too big. And it's just like, and I think what needs to happen is we need to get to a point where the situation in our life is, is not enough. It's not okay to stay stuck in this situation in whatever circumstance it is. And we need to reach out in faith and do something different in faith with God. We need to listen and ask what God is asking us to do. And so... I thought about this like when we're being asked to do something in faith it's like a flotation tank and faith fills the tank it's the water and all these things float to the surface which are obstacles that we didn't know were there necessarily all of a sudden God's asked us to do something we're like righto we're going to make this financial commitment in faith and all of a sudden fear we look at the bank balance you know the numbers don't lie all this sort of stuff we we um we look at the material world 
interest rates, we look at uh, supply and demand, all this kind of stuff. Um, so taking faith steps will naturally bring things up that are not part of the future journey and they're ultimately things that need to be let go of and taken away. And um, faith is an exercise of receiving as well. Like I said, it's our receiving muscle. So we could be receiving even an instruction to do something. We could be receiving the love of God, receiving uh, finance. It could be receiving of the letting go of finance, receiving, um, receiving in a sense, lack. Um, because all of it is to bring our life and our heart towards God. Like Paul said, you know, I'm, it doesn't matter whether I've got much or little, you know. All of this stuff is about letting go of idols and coming to God. So there's sometimes a lot or a little number of things that naturally float to the top and are obstacles to exercising our faith. Depending on our God-given temperament, um, you know, we may sweep these things away immediately and it may be a quick process we get rid of them. Um, other times we may sit there and I'm a bit like this sometimes as well, I'm a bit of both, but I'll sit there and I'll analyse it and look at it and think about it and I'll sort of poke it back down, it floats back up and, you know, have this experience where uh, it takes some time to step out in faith and I like to tick all the boxes and, and kind of um, be really sure and I've come from that place in life and, and God has really, really, really broken that out of my life of, of um, having control and taking control of things in life, um, thinking that, you know, I kind of... It's, it's really a security thing at the end of the day. If you're hanging on to things, it's because you're hanging on to that in place of God. And as I said, God wants our heart and he wants us to know that he is trustworthy and that we can trust him. And that's something that is to be experienced in life. And so, yeah, these things float up and, and um, there's no condemnation about uh, how long it takes us to work out these obstacles and work through them. The point is that we acknowledge them and that we work through them. And some of these obstacles might be something like this. Oh, I've never done this before. I'm too old. I'm too young. Uh, the giants are too big. I brought that one up already. Um, look at them. Look at the giants and get other people in and convince them so that they convince you not to take the action, you know. Um, I don't have enough money. Um, I'm weak. Honestly, that's a huge one for me. Um, having the, the strength... Uh, taken away from me in my in my previous life um, to get to the point of weakness um, that can then be an idol and say oh, I'm too weak I can't do this um, but that's not God he doesn't want that he wants us to look with the eyes of faith Christ in us and move forward anyway and uh, I'm reminded of Paul where he says uh, his power is made perfect in weakness his strength is made perfect and so uh, that's how we walk um, you could say the world's a mess and, and an obstacle could also be pride. I'm experienced, I've done this before, I'm good, I don't need God. C.S. Lewis once said, and this is a scary quote and a scary reminder, but he once said to be so careful of pride because after all pride is what made the devil the devil. Uh, that got me so much, I put that up next to my desk one time and stayed there for a year and a half and every time I sat down I just thought, wow, you know, we should be scared of pride. Um, it is definitely an obstacle to, to um, stepping in faith and receiving what God has for us. But being sure of our God as a good and loving Father who's given everything for us in His Son, He knows what we need and our faith walk is ultimately trusting that no matter how it looks to us or anyone else in the world, if it's something asked of God, He's asking us, then we must do it. We are doing ourselves and those around us a disservice if we don't and we will not be happy wandering around in the wilderness until we make the decision to obey. He is a good God 
and can be trusted. But part of the journey is to actually realise that and we'll never be fulfilled in life and at peace at the same time until we walk in faith, letting go of idols. And so now we're at the point of surrender. And yeah, I mean, for me, um, one of the things I was asked to surrender was my business. And uh, I've been through a horrific journey, a relationship breakup of 16 years. um, uh, And... Uh, many things and and the thing that was providing a sense of security for me was my business I've been doing it for 12 years Um, it was established and it was providing it provided for our family and I expected it to continue to provide but over and Chinta picked this up early on and said I think God's asking you to maybe let go of this business Um, and I I said no I don't think so and um, and it would keep coming up and she's so loving and gracious. But you know when people just know and you know that they know and you're like, nah. And anyway, um, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? And God gave us a little mowing business in between, just this little thing to keep us sane during this process. And, um, and we picked up this mowing business and I was doing that. So I said, okay, God. Eventually I, I was pushed and I was, I, God won't let you be fulfilled unless you give up idols he's asking you to, you know, to give up. And I was like, righto. Uh, and so I did. And I said, righto, if I need to do mowing for the rest of my life at the age of 45, so be it. I'll do it. 50 bucks a lawn, no worries. I can do it. Faith in God, let's do it. Amen. Yep, it's not hot out there at all, is it? No. All right. So um, I get to this point where I'm like, okay, God. And so I, I went up. Uh, it's an interstate business. I thought I'll just sell off the gear at auction for no money and just, just get rid of it. I'll paint my mate's shed while I'm there because I said I would if I ever left. Um, and so I'm up there and, and I, I hopped off the plane and I said to the guy, look, I'm, he knew me in the hire car company. I said, look, I'm coming up here to get rid of the business. Uh, so he said he had enough. I said, yeah, I'm just giving it up. It's, I think I even said God asked me to give it up. I blamed it on God um, and said, right, so I'm there. I get to the front office. Um, this lady makes this comment and says, oh, are you in this industry? And, and I, I said, yeah. She goes, oh, you should talk to the council. And I thought, no, nah, I've talked to the council before. They're not interested and I don't really like working for the council anyway and blah, blah, blah. So there I am painting the shed two days later and God said to me, ring the council, ring the council. Um, and I'm on my way out. I'm organising transport, everything to be finished, coming back to mow the lawn in, around the place and that would be my living. And I'd given up the business. And at that point... I rang, I had this prompting, I actually denied it for a day. I rang the only number I had and, um, and the guy answered, he's a new guy, and he goes, oh, are you in this industry? And I said, I said, yeah, and he goes, meet me in Bunnings in 10 minutes. I said, oh, and I sat down there and he goes, we've got all this work to do. We've, we've honestly, like we've got, in, we advertise in the paper that we're going to do all this work around town. We've got to do like, you know, 50 of these uh, painting things and, and we've done two in six months. We've got a team of four, we just can't seem to do it. Can you do it? And I said, oh, and I just felt the whoosh of the Spirit. I thought, this is something that is, that is of God here. And Chinda and I prayed about it. And within a week, we'd, we'd formed a new uh, entity. And uh, we'd done the entire um, 40 paintings in 10 days. And uh, the turnover was incredible. And I, just, I, just, and I was on my knees in humility before God. And I said, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for hanging on to things that you asked me to give up. Because who am I? How wise do I think I am? How much security do I think I need? But that which is in you. And that's been really the, the journey I've been on, is surrender. 
and I've never been more peaceful. I've given up a family. <sighs> what I hoped was a, a godly marriage. I gave up dreams. I gave up vehicles, cars, recreation things that I used to do. I uh, gave up the business, gave up a community, a church, um, reputation through deceit and different things that people tend to do when they're not godly. Um, but the essence of what I did was to make a decision to walk holy before God and nothing was going to get in the way of that and I had to trust God that he would deal with what he needed to in the rest of my life from that time forward and it resulted in the loss of everything including my children I've got three beautiful, beautiful children and through ungodly means um, I haven't seen them since <laughs> for a long time I haven't seen them since March last year and um, they love me incredibly and they don't know what's happened and I don't have access to them and um, it's an incredible story, incredible journey. But you know what? God has replaced all these things in my life that I thought I was giving up. He's given with interest back to me that I didn't even expect. And I, I think a key here, I want to really make this clear there's a lot of faith speakers out there that say, look, you've got to have faith and you get all these things, you know. It's kind of like you treat God as like a Coke machine. You put in a dollar, you get out of Coke, you know. You press button God. That's prosperity teaching which says, if you give this, you'll get this back. And that's wrong because God doesn't say, when he asks us to give something, he said, I'm going to give you this, this and this. It, we're not doing a transaction here. We're doing a sacrifice. And I remember the time I, uh, in, in my heart, put my children on the altar and, and that, that verse in uh, that talks about Abraham being asked to sacrifice his only child just took on a whole new meaning at that time where Jesus says unless you give up houses, lands, mothers, fathers, children, unless you do that you cannot be my disciple. That took on a whole new meaning but you can't avoid it and the only way to have the life of Christ really, really dwell in you is to be willing to give up sacrifices, to be give up those idols and just see what God does. He has the ability to exponentially multiply things that we, we can't even imagine. Look at that little boy who gave loaves and fishes, just a couple of little bits of food and Jesus put his anointing on it and his power and his spirit and 5,000 people, men, men plus women and children, were fed. How does that happen but for the power of God? I prayed when I left this ungodly relationship, God, provide for me somebody who can show me, uh, show the children what a good relationship is like, that they don't have to undo an ungodly pattern later in their life. And within a month, God gave me Chinta. Amazing. Through a means that you cannot imagine. And uh, happy to tell the story one day, but right now I'll just move on. But Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. We've got a grace journal that is full. We, we can't write the amount of things that God has done as a result of giving up idols and sacrificing ourselves um, for the call of God. You can't avoid it. And, um, but I have to, yeah, giving up my children, that was hard. And it still is. Um, 
But God has re- he's given me a godly wife in a godly marriage with more peace than I can ever imagine. He's given me a new business that has more turnover than the other business did in 10 years, in 18 months, you know, to be able to recover financially from the past. This is him. This is his life. It's his business. And what he creates, he sustains. This is putting ourselves off the altar and off the throne of our life and saying, God, you take control. You do this. And God is asking us to do things, not just in our own life, but in church life, you know, there's challenges that, that come up naturally when we step out in faith. We want to reach a town, we want to reach a community, we want to expand in different ways, we want to make decisions. It's going to require uncomfortable feelings and obstacles that are going to come up and really present themselves as quite scary giants. Our thing is to take God at his word and say, he'll never leave you and forsake you. Come with me, hold my hand, I'll take you. And I'll take you in safety. And I, I think one of the other obstacles I wanted to, to mention is the feeling of unsafety. Quite often there's an emotional feeling of unsafety. It might be a, a fear of physical unsafety. Um, but um, like I get it when I climb down rocks and do all kind of whatever I do, adventure stuff. It, you know, I have faith. You don't be silly and test God, but you also trust God. And you don't allow things like this to come in in place of what God wants to do in your life. It's faith, walking in faith. It's exercising and, and receiving the strength of him, the patience of him, the love of him, the stuff that we don't have. It's the great exchange, which is ultimately what communion is about. Um, yeah, it's a very personal thing, this receiving. And, um, you know, God has given me a, a community that is so faithful, these you know, you guys, like, you walk the walk, you know. You pray, and you pray believing, you know. Um, so loving, and, and, and Chinna and I have been so blessed uh, being in this community here. It's been hugely healing for us, and it's, it's God's provision. Um, even in the way we came here uh, through seeing Micah at the park, you know, there's miracle after miracle. The houses that we've, we now live in, um, God woke me up with a dream and showed me a house that had been listed 24 hours earlier, and then here we are in the house, you know. Um, vehicles like business stuff transactions relationships um, all of this has come in as a result of letting go of those things that I had in that picture uh, that were my holding on to and yet I'm more peaceful than I've ever been why is it because God is sustaining it he's the one who's created it he's sustaining it he's putting it into my life in a way that's sustainable Um, and so I praise God for that and for those who have been praying for my children in that situation um, I just want to share that we've had a really difficult five months at uh, the second half of last year with a number of things happening uh, which showed evidence of, um, you know, more ungodliness and all this sort of stuff. But we saw God in it somewhere and it's all this evidence is coming through as to the truth of this situation with the children uh, which wasn't seen previously through the world systems. And uh, But now, praise God, we've totally outside of our... Um, would you say our uh, even request almost we've been praying God clean this up and um, we've had someone uh, very close to us come and say uh, look we've I've made some inquiries Um, we want to support you to have a chat with a lawyer about another option and uh, and we did that and they said and if you want to continue we'll provide for you in that as well 
and uh, I just have to say, praise God, you know, like that, and there's obstacles around that. I was like, I don't want to go back there. This is an arena that's ungodly. But, you know, when God makes decrees and he makes declarations, things happen. And I can see and I believe that God will bring the children back and he'll bring them into a godly home, which is what we've been praying for, in a place of nurture where they can grow up in the, in the faith of God and, and, that, and that their prayers can be answered. I know my son particularly, he's 10 years old, has been praying. Uh, and um, yeah, and so let's see what God does, you know. Um, so this is, this is a live journey for me too. And... Uh, <laughs> And I, I think one of the biggest exchanges, and this is as we come to communion, that we can do is to kind of start off anything we say with the two words, but God. You know, this circumstance here, but God, that's what Caleb did. You know, they're like, the giants are too big, and Caleb's like, but God, you know. I'm too old, but God, I'm too young, you know. I've, I've done all this before and God's asking you to give up this. No, no, no. But God, God will provide. He will be with you and he will sustain you. And um, yeah, amen to that. I just want to praise God for that because, yeah, as we come to communion, Lord, I just pray now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we're all in a different way. Lord, take something over a renewed challenge to faith, Lord, that we'd, we'd investigate and allow you to investigate, Lord, even as it says in, in the Psalms, investigate my life. Lord, look into our hearts that we would find anything, Lord, that is, that is not of you, that we're hanging on to in place of you. I pray now in Jesus' name that that will be made um, evident to us. Lord, that we can bring that willingly to the cross. Lord, that that would be exchanged for your life, that we would trust you enough to do that. We would be secure enough in who we are and who you say we are to go and take those actions, Lord, and give up our life, literally give up our life. It says clearly in the scriptures, Lord, that we cannot follow you unless we, we give up our life. We have to take our cross, you know. We have to identify with the crucifixion of Christ. And, but God, what a wonderful exchange it is to have uh, your blood and your, your body um, given to us that we can literally take your life. And as, as we come in such a, um, a reverent way to the table, the communion table, uh, today lord i just pray that there's such a reverence around what we've been saved from uh, what dire things we've been saved from yet the great exchange says that you are in charge you are lord of lords king of kings and we take on your life and lord i just pray that that can then be a cause for such joy lord that we can understand that you live within us galatians 2:20, colossians 1:27, christ lives in you what an amazing revelation the implications of that are huge and lord let that be the celebration lord as we faith-filled come to the table today lord and partake of the the elements the symbol of what you have done lord we proclaim your death lord which means life for us and lord i pray that as we go today lord that we would walk in faith Lord, that we'd, we'd open up our life to the fullness of your direction and your spirit and we'd be willing to just even a tiny bit exercise faith in a part of our life and see huge results in the world. You say if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, a whole mountain can be moved. The material world is irrelevant. It's the spirit world. It's the unseen world where our faith is exercised. And I just pray, Lord, that we can witness that in our own lives and collectively as a church. And so, Lord, I pray blessing upon this communion today lord i pray um anointing on it lord i pray for renewed faith renewed um receiving of all the things that you have for us lord renewed hope 
Lord, for circumstances to change in relationships, Lord, in our finances, in our physical circumstances, our health. Um, Lord, even in the fulfilment of life, Lord, that there'd be a renewed breath of fresh air, that things aren't going along as normal. Suddenly we've got God involved and we're, we're inviting that. And so I pray that now in the name of Jesus. Amen.